Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the bibliophiles. Hey there, Sally. Uh, it's another Wednesday. How you doing? Oh. Fresh button on uh, Twitter there. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great. I uh, almost was a little concerned. I put my kids to bed, and um, luckily I had my alarm on for my iPhone. But <laughs> when you have small kids, anything can happen. I was glad I was able to uh, make sure I wasn't asleep for the show. But um, yeah, it was a long day with the kids. A lot of park. A lot of park. A lot of running around. And now that the nice weather is here, they just want to be outside, and they're running me ragged. Today was really a nice day. It wasn't too hot. <laughs> it was perfect. And there were no pigs in your way? or <laughs> I don't quite get the joke. No, the pig the pig flu. Oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Swine we, flu. We got the, the, the notices um, in, in the knapsack about the, about the pig flu. But, you know, that's a little bit scary there. But, uh, yeah, my daughter, she's washing her hands every five minutes. That's the best way. And, uh, how about yourself? How about, how are you doing this week? Any cool well, stuff going on? I've avoided the pigs, definitely. <laughs> I, I really don't like, uh, you know, eating, touching uh, pigs anyway, so I think I'm all right. Oh, and, you good. know, I, it, it's the flu. We all hate the flu, so. But anyway, but. And, it, yeah, it, and plus it had to be a Mexican pig, so. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not nice to call people Mexican pigs. Well, <laughs> oh, well Yeah. The show is we're live on Blurb. Uh, Sally Shields and I. Uh, I'm Dr. Kent, and uh, uh, we call ourselves bibliophiles because we like to uh, get in the books and and walk around a little bit. And on this show, we get to talk with authors uh, kind of indirectly. They get a chance to come up with a blurb and and say it live on the air. Yeah, I'm excited today because we've got uh, you know the the the, uh, the 12 year old author uh, J.K. Hawkins. And really uh, very cute and very uh, sweet little girl, and I'm looking forward to hearing her blurb. Any Anybody else that you're looking forward to uh, to hearing tonight? Well, I'm I'm looking forward to everybody. Uh, there's some there's some uh, some fun moments. Uh, some music might come out in the show, and some uh, uh, some relationship advice. And I think we'll have a good time. Oh, I'm looking. I'm very much looking forward. To it. Plus, we have the lovely Cami uh, Gray coming on as the winner of last week's show. The Denim Diet, that's going to be absolutely uh, fantastic having her on as a guest. Yeah, I know I've already started my denim diet, so. <laughs> I, I start my denim diet just about every day of my life, and usually about <laughs> 6 p.m. I go off the denim diet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm I'm excited about this week's show, and, and since you were talking about our young friend, what about we start with her? Oh, I would absolutely love that. J.K. Hawkins, uh is that the right one? No. Yeah, that's it. Are you sure? I believe it is. <laughs> we'll find out soon. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. My name is J.K. Hawkins. I'm 13 years old and the author of a humorous new children's series, My Weird Family Series. My first book, My Vampire Cousin, was released in July of 2008. The story introduces readers to 12-year-old Alice Trivet, a curious little girl who believes her only living relative is her mother. Boy, is she in for a surprise. One day, while Alice is roaming the woods behind her house, she stumbles upon a mysterious castle, a castle that holds unimaginable secrets about her family history. As she explores the castle, she finds that she is not alone. A creepy man with a cape is trailing her, and he introduces himself as her cousin. It doesn't take long for her to figure out that this so-called cousin of hers is a vampire, and he'd like to invite her to be his dinner. My Weird Family series, My Vampire Cousin, immerses readers in a land where monsters are as close as kin. I began this series at the age of eight and have over 20 stories written for the series. Each story takes Alice to meet another family member until, one by one, she has met them all. 
that is, if she can survive. But Alice is clever, and so long as she can outwit her relatives, she just might survive without being turned into a vampire, or a fairy, or a mummy, or a sea monster, or, well, you get the idea. The idea for my vampire cousin hit me while watching a vampire movie. In the movie, I noted that the vampires were nearly indestructible, with the exception of sunlight and holy water. Then I thought to myself, what if a vampire couldn't even be hurt by that? And what if he had a human cousin who could outwit him? Long story short, since I hate to end a book or kill off characters, the human became 12-year-old Alice Trivet, who goes on a journey to meet her monster relatives. My Weird Family series, My Vampire Cousin, is perfect for kids of all ages, even those gray-haired kids at heart. The book, packed full of non-stop action, adventure, humor, and amusing illustrations, leaves readers anxious to get their hands on the next installment. I'm very excited to announce that in June of 2009, a new edition of My Vampire Cousin, as well as the second book in the series, My Werewolf Brothers, will be released. I hope readers will enjoy Alice through her adventure as she discovers the identities of her monster family members, dodges fangs, and searches for the way out of the monster world. Wow. Information, what do you think? I I loved it. That that had bling, that had clarity clarity, a lot of information, and I think she delivered it really, really well. I mean, forget the fact that she was only thirteen. I think she just did an absolutely marvelous blurb. Well, and she said right at the end there, um, this is her second uh, printing of it, uh, or second edition, and that, that intrigued me too as a listener, because I'm thinking, wow, she must be pretty good. And uh, um, so there, she had some good sales sales uh, uh, tricks in there. Plus, it made me want to read the book. I mean, I'm also thinking about, like, wow, this could be something that, you know, a lot of kids would, I mean, right now vampires are very hot. So she's right in there. You know, it's like she's picking up on a trend. Well, so I thought I thought it was a, a very well done uh, blurb. And um, uh, so, you know, what what do you think could be better about it? Well, let's see here. Hmm. Um, well, she forgot to. Well, she. Let's see. Did she mention her? Well, does she have a website? Where can people get the book? Maybe she didn't mention where people get the book, uh, or where they could mer- learn more about her. Um, because basically the fact that she's 13 years old is very intriguing. I think a lot of people would want to learn more about her as an author. So I think that just for her basically having somewhere else that people could go to find out about more about her would be a good thing to have in there as well. Agreed. So um, let's, uh, I, I say let's move on. Um, uh, that was a beautifully done tweet uh, by our young friend, and uh, I think uh, we should we should go straight from that into uh, uh, another creative blurb uh, of Cynthia Jordan. Sounds great. This is in the music category. Hi, my name is Cindy Jordan, and I wrote a book called Butterfly Moments. If you'd like to know why you were born, read my book. If you'd like to know what to say when a 357 Magnum is pointed at your head, if you like to know how to eliminate fear, if you like to know what happens when you die and live to talk about it, read my book. If you'd like to know how the very first song I ever wrote became the number one country song of the year in Billboard magazine and radio and records, read my book. I guarantee that the interview will be incredibly fun and certainly not boring. And now, my number one country song of the year. Have a good time. Oh, my God. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it kind of clued me in that there was a problem because we didn't have that little log talk radio. Indeed. So well, I wonder if, yeah. Maybe he recorded himself, but we'll, we'll ask Ian about that. But but the book itself, I mean, he he had us right out of the gate. You know, God is a woman. He had us with uh, several different really spicy things. Could you could you talk uh, every week? Uh, you give us an edu- a little education about elevator speeches and about blurbs and about that kind of stuff. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Well, the great thing is is that um, his his title was almost a hook in and of itself, which is really what you want to do. Uh, in mar- you know when you when you're trying to market your book, you want your book's title to ultimately be your hook. Uh, so God is a woman, dating disasters. I'm not sure. Do you know if dating disasters was his subtitle or how that? <laughs> I, I would imagine sure. yes, but who knows? Okay, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was God is a woman dating disasters or God is a woman dating disasters. Anyway, basically you've got between like we were talking before, media people are very very busy. You literally have 10 to 15 seconds tops to catch their attention. So what you want to really break it down when you are doing an elevator speech, and again, just to, to clarify, blurb uh, is, is a three-minute, um, you know, back-of-the-book kind of description. So we're not really doing elevator speeches uh, on the show, but we do like to educate people about that because that is one of the tools that you will need when you are trying to pitch your book on the phone to a radio producer or to a producer for television. So what I've done is I've, I usually help people break it down by telling them that they need to say the name of their, who they are, what the name of their book is, what their vision is, and what you can do for them, what problem that you can solve for people. So I'm not going to give the same old example that I gave last week. I'm going to come up with another one. So, for example, uh, here would be a two-sentence um, elevator speech that um, I could tell if I met somebody in, in the lobby or in an elevator, for example, at the uh, American Society of Journalists and Authors Convention. Hi there, I'm Sally Shields, and my vision is to inspire others to fulfill their dream of writing a book. As I'm an expert on creative marketing, I can show anyone how they can not only become a published author, but also bring their project to Amazon.com bestseller status. So I had you know, my name in there. I had what my vision was and what kind of problem I could solve or what I could do for you. And I think it took me about seven seconds to say that. Yeah, it was a quick one. And, I mean, is a, what's an elevator speech, like five to ten seconds? Five ten to, to ten 15? seconds, 12 to 15 tops. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, and it's interesting. I, I, I teach a leadership course with uh, some college students, and uh, I kind of gave them the same tip with their resumes, you know. They said, well, why why can't we write a two-page resume? And I said, well, you you got to be really good to get to write a two-page resume. But uh, one sheet is always the best because, uh, you know, if you can tell it to them in 10 seconds, they're going to have it. If if it takes you more than that, they're they're going to go off to something else. Yeah, and something else that I should mention while we're on the topic of brevity is that when you are doing your um, bio, for example, you know, a lot of people have the tendency to tell everything that they've done, where they grew up, uh, what high school they went to, what music lessons they played, and I'm sure all of you have come across bios like that, but when you're dealing with your book and the media, you need to distill it down to the exciting things that the media might find you know, very interesting about you, even if it turns out to be one sentence, that's okay. You can build on it. What but, if you're you know, boring? It's all right. Then, you know, just <laughs> that's the thing. It's, it's less is more. Less is more. It's better to say that you were a guest on one radio show and that you have, you know, that your poem was published in an anthology um, of poets and authors. Better to say that than to talk about your dog and, you well, know, all that. But, but you're coming from a perspective <laughs> of somebody that's been on, like, every radio station. Well, so how, do you, how do you, how do you well, convince someone who's not done this yet that, I mean, they're going to look at your bio, you know, sallyshields.com, crazy bio that you've been on all these shows. What, how are they going to get to that point? Well, here's the thing. I was you. I was them. A year and a half ago, I had never written a book or been on any radio show at all. So I just start, started off by saying Sally Shields is the author of The Daughter-in-Law Rules. She, you know, I, I think I said something like um, that I had, uh, I can't even remember. I think that was pretty much it at the time. 
And then I got on my first radio show, and I was able to add, you know, um, guests on a radio show or something like that. You just you start off small, and as you build, then you add things to your resume. Or if you feel like there's something important about you in your past, anyone that's written a book has probably a couple things in there that the media would find fascinating. But all I'm saying is to really pare it down so that, you know, the media is grabbed right away. They don't have to, you know, waft or sift through a lot of stuff that uh, is not relevant to you or your book or that something, you know, something that a radio host, you know, they're not going to want to read a lot of stuff to get to the, the meat and potatoes of what you're doing. So you just have to start small, and then when you are formulating your media bio, you want to really start to, you know, make it chock full of interesting things. And every time you do get some kind of great hit, like if you were on even your local cable station or, you know, if you were written up in your local newspaper, those are the kinds of things that you can add into your media bio. All right. Well, I was just thinking, uh, well, you were talking about elevator speeches, and I my brain was wandering. I just tweeted uh, that uh, I was hanging out with my friend uh, Dan uh, near the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, and we read uh, that the Brooklyn Bridge and elevators were made around the same time because they learned how to make that that uh, that steel cable. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, speaking of non sequiturs, I have an interesting marketing story that has to do with the Brooklyn Bridge. All right. That I can tell very quickly is that. Um, uh, there was a guy, and he heard that the Brooklyn some guys were working on the Brooklyn Bridge, so he rushed over there, grabbed some of the old dead wood, brought it back to his apartment, and put little shards of it into those little glass bottles, and basically sold the Brooklyn Bridge, I think at $10 a pot, and made something like $40 million bucks. And <laughs> he ended up having T-shirts made up that said something like, it was my, you know, 1000 22nd idea so everyone was like wow this guy's a genius but really what it was was he just had like over a thousand million dollar ideas and he was sure that one day one of them would hit and that happens to be the one that hit so you know don't give up on your great ideas if you have creative ideas you just keep putting it out there and one of them is going to hit but I thought that was a really fascinating thing because he became you know famous for having this brilliant idea, everyone thought he was a, a genius, but he just said, you know, it just takes perseverance. You just keep putting ideas out there, and, you know, one of those days, something's going to hit. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. He sold the Brooklyn well, Bridge. It's amazing. Well, but the Brooklyn Bridge is still there. Oh, yeah, because they were just repairing it. Oh, wow. See? Everybody gets <laughs> Well, and, and I remember when I was a little kid, uh, my grandmother gave me a piece of the London Bridge. No kidding. So somebody was making bucks off that, too. Very cool. Well, so on that note, uh, well, there's no good segue, but uh, I, I'd like to go into nonfiction. What do you think? Michelle Casto. Perfect. Uh, let's see what she has to say. Love Talk Radio. Take your career 10 years into the future with this book. Just one of the testimonials from Get Your Career on the Fast Track, written, written by life coach and author Michelle Casto. With the economy changing and more and more people finding themselves out of work, and those that are in work, who are 75% of them, actively disengaged from their jobs, meaning that they show up in body but not in spirit, combined with stress being the number one reason being reported as work-related conditions. I think it's time for people to find the perfect fit with their career. When people read this book, they will find out what that perfect fit is, and they'll also find out why I use the idea of a career as a wardrobe and how it's very important to find that perfect outfit that you want to wear. And it needs to really reflect where you are in your age and your stage of life. In this book, you're going to find out basically how you make decisions in careers and how you make changes. I talk a lot about self-awareness, how to reprogram your mind for success, how to define your career, some of the self-marketing tools, what not to do, as well as the stages of career development that people go through, all the way from the assessment stage through the transition stage. 
this book is really the only book that you anyone would need to read about career development. And now more than ever, it's really time for people to find their perfect work and really get into position because as the changes and the shift of consciousness continues to, to happen in our world, people are going to begin to look inside of themselves for fulfillment. And work is essential to finding personal happiness and success. So I'm sure that you would also enjoy me, Michelle Casto, as the uh, interviewee, as I can be very engaging and informative at the same time. So please consider get your career on the fast track for your next featured book. Thank you. So is she talking to us at the end there? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I should feel special person. about it. Yeah. But I, mean, I felt like the, yeah. Yeah, like the rest of the blurb was kind of to everybody, and the end was kind of to us. True. It was a little bit mixed. But, but you know, I I, it. I, yeah, it, it was good. I, I guess the reason... Um, I didn't think it was perfect was the very beginning. Um, and there were a couple things. One was I felt like she was reading. So I, I, maybe it's a fine line between sounding like you're reading, and she might not have even been reading, but for some reason I felt like she was. And the second thing was that I really wanted her to have a hook right at the beginning, and it was a really long sentence. So I felt like I had to wait for it too long. That's true. Um, I I would have liked to have heard also more about what's in it for what's in it for them or what's in it for the audience. I mean, it was it's an excellent excellent uh, concept for a book. You know, a lot of people do need help finding their careers and directions and passions, and I think it can help a lot of people that are, are in unhappy situations, stuck in jobs and corporate situations that they don't like, and are looking for guidance. So I think it's an important book, an important concept. So I would have liked to have heard more about, you know, that. And I know she has passion for her topic, but I think her delivery could have been, like you said, a little more natural because it sounded like she was reading. So I didn't exactly get the feeling that she was as passionate about her topic as she truly is. Do you, well, how do you feel about that? Well, yeah. But um, that said, it was it was a good blurb. She she got all of the information to us, and um, you know I I knew what the book was about. Yeah, I like the idea for the book, and I think it was a, a good blurb as well. And I'm I'm and it, it is one of the books that I'm starring because it definitely um, is interesting to me and something that I would like to read or check out. So. But you know what? I kind of forgot what it was about already. What was that book about? It was like getting your career, like if you're all not right. happy in your job. Yeah, I don't think it's stuck between my ears, that one. However, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the target audience, which kind of yeah. brings us to another thing, which is you really want to aim for your target. And uh, you don't have to try and make your blurb or your elevator speech appeal to everybody. I mean, if it's a book for women and you're sitting in the elevator with uh, 15 men, uh, you don't have to make your book seem like a men's book. That's right, and that's something that I learned um, a, a while back is that, you know, try to please everyone and you please no one. So don't worry about pleasing everybody. You can, you know, you can have a niche and you can really speak to that niche and that's very, very, uh, way more valuable than trying to appeal to everyone, like you said. Well, awesome. Let's listen to the last the last blurb um, for this week. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, we'll have last week's winner, Cami Gray, on the show uh, in a little bit. Um, but uh, I'd like to listen to Mona Barbera. And uh, I believe she's going to chat with us about uh, relationships. Oh, excellent. Just up my alley. Love Talk Radio. This is Mona Barbera, a psychologist and the author of Bring Yourself to Love, How Couples Can Turn Disconnection into Intimacy. This is a relationship and self-help book. And this book is for the couples that would like a personal take-home coach in a book to help them get from blaming and shaming to surprising moments of love and intimacy. How to do that? First of all, you're going to start with what your partner is doing. We get filled with how we're being hurt or how we're being disappointed. We can start with that. And we can get to know what 
we are doing to lose connection from there? What are we doing to lose our calm, to hold back our truth, to distance, or to do the very same thing to our partner that we wish they were not doing to us? It can all be summed up in three little words, giving better back. Giving better back than you feel like you're getting is the most powerful thing you can do for your relationship and truly for yourself. Because when you can remain calm and connected, when you feel disappointed, you are going to have better energy, you're going to like yourself more, and you're going to be free from the merry-go-round of I love you, I hate you, and I miss you. And you'll be better able to evaluate if this is the person for you, if that's where you are at in your relationship, because you're going to be able to think and evaluate a lot better if you haven't lost your common connection. Thanks a lot, and bye for now. What's your take on that one, Sally? Well, I mean, she has a passion for her topic. She's like a psychologist. She is speaking to couples, and couples, you know, often married couples after a long time, they do lose their connection. And it was very, um, it had a lot of information about, you know, obviously didn't have all the information that I wanted to hear, but I thought it had a lot of good information. It was just enough to sort of hook me and to create curiosity, which is what makes a good blurb. So I, I liked that part of it. What the do you first, think? The very beginning of the blurb I thought was really stunning because she she hit every single possible uh, um, uh, thing that she needed to tell us. I mean, who she was, what subject it was, what the title was, what it would do for us, and she gave all of that to us within the first few seconds. Um, and then she, you know, she didn't bore us. It wasn't three minutes, um, and that, you know, we should definitely make that clear. Um, authors don't have to speak for three minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, she could have given us a little more, but, but I think I have a very clear picture of what that book uh, uh, does. And I, I really enjoyed it. I tweeted uh, her statement uh, where she said, um, what was it now? Uh, that uh, it's a take-home coach. She said, uh, a take-home coach in a book. That's a nice line. That's the, that's the kind of lines that are good. I mean, another thing that authors can do is, especially if you're going on Amazon, you can give yourself a little name. I mean, maybe a take-home coach in a book is not a good example, but if you can come <laughs> up with like a little name for yourself that that is a moniker, it just reminded me of something else that you can do to market yourself. For example, when I was writing the daughter-in-law rules, I thought, you know, the in-law expert. That's something that uh, at first I started off with the mother-in-law manager, and then I had a little bit of flack about the word manager, and then I thought, well, the in-law expert. Something cute, because a lot of times people will remember your little name rather than your actual name. So um, that's something that just reminded me when you said take-home coach in a book. I mean, that that's kind of like... The, the concept of that so I thought I'd throw that in there and it's kind of funny once you started describing that I had this image in my head of you know Jack in the Box but uh, <laughs> that mixed with like um, you know those books that are that act as safes so you open up uh, uh, this woman's book bring yourself to love and out comes the coach you know <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cute Anyway, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely true that you in whatever way you do it, you need to brand yourself, um, and I don't mean with a, a burning hot iron. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> you have to decide uh, uh, what your thing is, and you have to stick to that thing. I've never been good at branding myself, uh, and that's part of the reason why I admire uh, people like Sally here, uh, because branding means you have a, a headshot. It means you have a hot book cover it means you you uh, uh have a topic that you stick to you know if you go into music you have a song uh that you sing every night you know it's a brand it's something that uh, or a style and uh, it's very important in all industries well i i have to disagree that you say you're not good at it because dr ken i think you absolutely have a brand. I mean, Blooming Twig Books is 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 a brand in and of itself. Well, and yeah, but I but I do my most of my business is branding other people. Well, that's that's a good that is an absolute um, you know that's a good feature because helping others brand themselves is uh, is a brand in and of itself. But, but truly, it that's be. an excellent feature. And I you know I probably shouldn't use that word. I, I'd never thought of you know brand as it probably comes from that, doesn't it? Cattle with the 
the hot iron. That's yeah, it's a pretty awful concept. Well, I always say, you know, what do uh, cows and farmers have to do with selling books? Well, you know, you have to, uh, you know, brand yourself silly. And um, what was my other metaphor about the farmers? <laughs> uh, yeah, what what do spiders? You know, you have to have a you have to have a good website and a farmer. You have to brand yourself. Yeah, there's all sorts of metaphors about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really true. I mean, as an author, it's so important to really, you know, get people to remember you somehow and to become an expert in your area because that's really the important part of becoming an author because, you know, as we all know, selling books is, is not easy. You know, I think the statistics are something like eight, seven out of only only uh, one out of eight books actually sells through. When By that I mean when they get signed with the traditional publisher, only one out of eight will actually make back the advance that uh, the publisher paid out to buy the book. And so a lot of books just simply get shelved. And so the, the most important thing that an author could do for themselves is to become an expert, write articles on their topic, you know, get known in their niche as the go-to person, and brand yourself that way so that you can then, you know, coach people, have a coaching program, have a back-end business, you know, that that's the way that you're going to succeed as an author, not necessarily by becoming, you know, selling a million books. We all have stars in our eyes about selling a million books, but truly the wave of the future is using your book as a calling card and really moving your career forward in that respect. And that is why I uh, oftentimes will really suggest that a first-time author does self-publish because, um, you know, to get into the ranks uh, of the big publishing houses and having them throw you out there without a you know a platform oh that's what that's the other word without a platform cows and farmers platforms and branding um is is almost um i hate to use the word but uh career suicide because let's say your book doesn't sell through they're not going to offer are you still there yep okay my phone just dropped they might not <laughs> offer you another chance they might not they might say well sorry we're really not going to offer you another book because this one didn't didn't do very well and you may end up having lost your rights or having to hire a very expensive lawyer to try to get the rights to your own book back. So, um, you know, self-publishing is a great way to start out for a first-time author. And even for, you know, a lot of uh, well-known authors who have had success in the traditional publishing model have turned to self-publishing because they're disappointed with, with royalties. And what they've decided is that they can sell a lot more books at the back of the room at their speeches and conferences and seminars and keep a lot more percentage of their own profits that way. So that's totally. really something to think about. Well, and uh, you know, the book industry is fun because, uh, you know, you really can be uh, a superstar among your closest friends uh, quite easily. And honestly, uh, I always come back to the fact that the greatest pride of any author is giving a copy of that book to, uh, you know, husband, wife, mother, father, somebody in your family, some friend, and that, that really is the greatest pleasure. And you can't, you could, you know, I really don't think that you can top it by going on Oprah, but you might get close. <laughs> yeah, well, I always say, you know, get famous in your town. Don't worry about going national. Start locally. If you can give, uh, you know, a little speech at the local Y, if you can go down to your local library and see if you can give a little, you know, Tuesday night seminar on your topic, and if you can, you know, build a herd of followers, a little herd of followers, I always call them a herd, there we go again with the farmer metaphor, a herd of followers, and, you know, create your own little email list and start building a buzz. If you start small uh, and, and just get, get well-known in your own little community, that can be the nucleus of something really, really big and really, really important. You know, people such as John Gray and... Um, uh, who else started small? Um, well, what's the famous uh, Tony Robbins? Both of those guys started off basically counseling individual people, coaching people in their own living room. Uh, John Gray had his first seminar in his very own living room. So we all have to start somewhere. Well, all right. I'm I'm psyched. Uh, we're at that time of the show on Blurb where we get to chat with last week's winner. And um, I, I think we should listen to it. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. So this is the award-winning 
<laughs> blurb by Cami Gray from last week. Hi, this is Cami Gray, author of The Denim Diet, 16 Simple Habits to Get You into Your Dream Pair of Jeans. As a TV wardrobe stylist, I believe a dream pair of jeans can be a great motivator for losing weight and keeping it off. I don't trust the bathroom scale, but a pair of jeans will never lie. I don't know. I've spent 22 years cultivating a way of eating that makes sure my favorite jeans will always fit. But that wasn't always the case. At age 19, my jeans were six sizes larger than they are today, and I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and put on medication. Then I had an epiphany, which you will hear all about in the denim diet. I created a no-nonsense blueprint for reaching and maintaining my ideal healthy body weight in 16 easy-to-remember habits to make and habits to break. My habits have worked flawlessly for me for over two decades, including effortlessly losing the baby weight after the birth of my two children, now 19 and 17. How awesome would it be to develop 16 simple habits and lose the excess weight, have more energy, look and feel great, and get into those dream pair of jeans? But I have a confession to make. The denim diet isn't a diet book. Don't tell anyone. I know it's in the title to my book, but I'm not a fan of the word diet. It implies that for a temporary period of time, your lifestyle habits will need to change dramatically in order for you to achieve weight loss. Instead of dictating a diet, I'll teach you how to replace your old habits with new ones, easily and effortlessly. Oh, in my book, it's funny. I promise you'll laugh out loud, and probably at me, not with me, as I share my own embarrassing stories. I don't stop there, though. Oh, no. I share other people's stories as well. With the exception of my sister, who I repeatedly throw into the bus, I don't divulge any names because I didn't exactly get anyone's permission. Some of these stories are humorous. A few are inspirational. Others provide living examples of weight loss success, and one is a dramatic life lesson in what not to do. I've tried to create a book that's more intimate, sensible, and understanding. Just like you, I'm a real person. I'm happy to share my own experiences, issues, triumphs, and setbacks. You'll also find a detailed grocery list, a 44-page recipe section, my top 10 tips for dressing slimmer, and a four-page summary, kind of a cheat sheet, of the 16 habits to make and habits to break. The Denim Diet is available on Amazon and other online booksellers and in bookstores everywhere. Go to thedenimdiet.com for more information. All right. So let's talk uh, live uh, uh, with Cam and Gray. Uh, do we have you on the air? I'm here. <laughs> That's hard to hear. <laughs> it's hard to hear yourself talk about your book. <laughs> it's a total experience, huh? I just I'm want sorry, to say congratulations because your book just came out March 1st. Yes, it did. Hit shelves probably about March 15th and uh, on all the online booksellers at the beginning of March. So it's 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 very new. So, so the denim diet. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about uh, how you ended up getting into this topic, and you were getting high numbers. and And uh, tell us about it. Uh, how, how did this whole thing start? You mean high numbers in terms of my weight? <laughs> well, I, or you, I think you said blood pressure. Oh yeah, I, I was diagnosed with blood pressure in um, college, and that is when I gained a considerable amount of weight. Kind of went away from this uh, healthy lifestyle that I had uh, been brought up with. I live here in uh, Portland, Oregon, and my family, they're just green superstars, and I knew nothing but organic food, and we belonged to a food co-op, and everything was home-cooked, you know, meals made from scratch, and while it was all um, really great that that was my upbringing, my mom neglected to actually teach me how to go grocery shopping for myself and, and cook and make meals. Uh, for myself. So when I uh, got out of that um, atmosphere and on my own and first in a dorm and then in an apartment in college, I completely floundered, ate like all the other kids, ate, you know, fast food and tons of sweeteners, that froyo that was really popular in the 80s. <laughs> Loved that stuff at 10 p.m. at night when I shouldn't be eating anything at all. And, and you know, I'm sure that the, the partying lifestyle of a college student doesn't help, but it was really the stuff I was eating. And it was uh, definitely showing in my uh, and my body and, and what I was able to wear kind of had to go to the, the sweatpants. <laughs> and I was at Arizona State, so this is not easy to be to be fat and fashionable. So, yeah, that's that's when it all started. And then, you know, the epiphany was obviously I went back to uh, that lifestyle that I grew up on, that um, good healthy eating and eating real food and less packaged food and processed food and fast food. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, 
it sounds like, oh, that's so easy, but really it is that easy. And it's just, you know, changing these little things, changing how you sweeten your foods, switching from, you know, white refined grains to whole unprocessed grains. And I eat plenty of food and I never feel like I'm starving myself or even um, restricting or limiting, but I just know that my success is from making those little changes. Well, I've got a couple questions. Does, does the diet also include exercise? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that is something I stopped doing in college. And I, it wasn't that I stopped exercising. I didn't really have um, an exercise routine when I was younger. I was a gymnast, and I had to walk to school. So I was just really active and then became really inactive. And I think that made a huge um, uh, difference. But, yes, and I, but my chapter on exercise is really to customize it to work for you because nothing is going to work if if you don't like it or you don't see yourself doing it. And so for me, I cannot stand going to the gym. Uh, it just bores me silly, the routine, you know, just over and over, the, the repetition. So I like to do – I really love walking, and I walk all over Portland. I know that people think I'm like the crazy walker lady because I walk everywhere. <laughs> I walk to friends' houses, I walk to the grocery store, I walk to the Max, which is our light rail system here. Um, now, do you I walk also, or do you speed walk? I'm, it's fast. That's why I'm thinking people probably think I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> but I'm also like in regular clothes, and sometimes I'm in three or four-inch heels, and I've got my big back, you know, my backpack on with my laptop and stuff. So um, <laughs> I know I'm getting plenty of exercise. I'm probably work, walking like 20, 25 miles a week. But I also do some weight-bearing exercises. I go to, um, as corny as it sounds, I go to jazzercise because I absolutely like love it. I think it's so fun, and I'm, I never have to even think about it. I just go, and it's mostly women, so you know, you don't have to like get too cute or dressed up and feel like anyone's looking at you because nobody cares. Now, wait, what's so, jazzercise? Is that like a dance class? Jazzercise has been around forever. I um, actually started going um, in like early 80s and uh, just a couple times with my older sister. And then um, after I had the kids, I lived in communities where there was a jazzercise. So it's like a national franchise. And it's the same everywhere you go. And it's just like dancing to poppy tunes like Britney Spears and, and whatnot. And, and it changes all the time. But you, you do balls and, and weights and bands and 30 minutes of cardio. And, and it's really fun. That is so cool. It sounds like you've really made made it fun. And one more question about the diet. Is it, uh, well, maybe not just one more, but is there portion control? Yes, I do have a, um, a chapter called Count Me In, and that's just to remind people about um, portions and calories. And the way I look at it is if everything you're putting in your body is real food and you're being mindful of portions like, you know, with with, uh, with meats and sides, I always just say it should be like a, um, a small fist or a deck of, a deck of cards deck of card size. So that's kind of my gauge for, for meats and sides. For vegetables, fruits, I just go at it and don't even worry about it. But I also do have to be mindful of calories because I do have a pretty healthy appetite. And I'm not one of those people who eats and there's like some little signal that goes on in my brain that's like, oh, you, you're, you're full now. I never feel that, that full like when I'm, I'm sitting and eating a meal. So I do have to make sure that I um, eat the big mound of uh, vegetables first and then um, just you know, watch the proteins, and I don't eat after dinner. And when I snack, I eat really good, healthy snacks, like high, like fat snacks, but good fats like avocados and olives and nuts. You know, what, you know what's great is that your blurb didn't say any of that stuff because it would have totally freaked me out. Oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was very careful there, huh? Yeah, and, and <laughs> one amazing thing about the self-help category and especially like the, the, the weight category in, in the, the book industry is, these books come out one after the other after the other, and you you always do need to a little bit promise something that might not happen to the reader. And I, I enjoyed your blurb, especially uh, last week and again this week, because um, you at the same time say, you know, you, it's a denim diet, and you can you can you know take the power back, but then there's <laughs> there's a little bit of a, a reality check in there, like uh, well, uh, you know, I hate the word diet. You know, you said yeah. that in there. What and I, I do, and I've now, never thought about it as a diet, yeah. I want to know about carbs. <laughs> well, I'm I a carb everything. eater. <laughs> no, I'm a carb eater, and I always have been. And 
I would much rather have a slice of uh, bread than just about anything. But it's just I'm very, very careful about what carbs I'll eat. And so, and I don't eat carbs at every meal, uh, pretty much just two meals a day. And I just always make sure they're whole grain, and I always make sure they have the highest amount of fiber and protein so they digest very slowly, don't spike my insulin levels, which can create fat storage. So they'll satiate me that I'm gonna, my body's going to be working hard for a long, long time to digest those and metabolize those. So I've, I'm not afraid of carbs at all. I love beans. I love bread. I love pasta. I love rice. Uh, and, and again, not too much, but I think that it's really been the key to um, maintaining a healthy body weight for me is to make sure I'm eating those carbs. I think that if I didn't and I was just having proteins and fats, I would be so hungry all the time and I'd just go after carbs with a vengeance. And what about dessert? Talk about dessert. Well, dessert is one of those things I probably put in the cheating category, and I do cheat <laughs> occasionally. But to me, if if you're what you're looking for in dessert is something sweet, I think that you just need to kind of tweak what you're having. Have some have some yogurt with some blueberries. Maybe put a little honey or maple syrup on top, and maybe some nuts. So you're still feeling like you're getting something sweet, but that it's actually really good food and does really good things for your body. Uh, but like ice cream and milkshakes and things like that, that's going to be a rare occasion for me. And I'm not well, going to feel guilty a, yeah. about it, but yeah, I'm so going to, cool you know, you every just, once in a while, I'm going to go for it. It's so cool that you just said that about the dessert thing because I made up a dessert for myself today because I was really hungry for one that was rice cream, agave, and almonds. Yeah, which really isn't dessert. It, it satisfies your taste for dessert, but that's just real good food. Yeah, so I felt really proud that I was eating that. I'm a I vegetarian. Ate, I, ate, I ate French fries today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I, I backslid. I, what can I say? Well, you know, what What I love about uh, what's happening is that um, I can see in, in, uh, I can see in Sally – uh, true interest, and that's and that is what uh, your blurb engendered, and that's what your whole uh, attitude about it engenders. The way you talk about all this, tell us how you got into the uh, to writing this book. Well, I think for that re- very reason, I love talking about healthy eating and healthy living, and I'm very passionate about it. But I also want to say things to people in an approachable way, and I don't want to um, dictate something real serious and technical. I can't stand when people talk to me like that. I don't even care if it's my doctor. Just <laughs> talk to me like a normal voice. Like, I don't know what you're saying. So um, that's what I've really tried to do is offer something that um, is approachable and understanding and is written from a real person who's been there. And I tell the the little, the funny stories. There's a funny story between each chapter called Food for Thoughts, and that's just it really to entertain, but there is a little lesson in each one of those too, and, and I really do throw other people under the bus, but myself as well. Uh, but, you know, that's that's really where it came, came from, is just my real love and passion, and I think I can really, um, I have a voice that can talk to people about this, and I, and I love doing it. So after you had your two kids, did yep. you, were, so you said something about you were able to drop the baby weight, and was that just simply from just dieting and exercise? How long did it take? Did you have like stomach because I had my two kids and that middle stomach part that's getting to me. Yeah. You know, for me, I had them at 22, 24, so I'm sure that is different than having kids a little older um, in terms of like losing the weight quickly. Uh, but really, for my uh, after my daughter was born, it was pretty much eight weeks, and I didn't really do anything different except for eat in a healthful way. I didn't restrict my calories. I was nursing. I couldn't. So I, I just, you know, I hit jazzercise pretty much four or five days a week, so I did step up the, the, the exercise a little because I was in Southern California at the time, and you can't really get away with, uh, you know, layering your clothes and stuff there. But with my son, it did take a full six months because it's, I think, just it's harder with second and third and fourth babies. But, uh, but again, I, I didn't obsess about it. I just did my healthy eating plan, did my jazzercise and my walks, and, it eventually was gone, and I've never had to think about it since. That is well, just awesome. So inspiring. And your your book, uh, just just from uh, uh, things we've seen this week, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, your book has uh, got to number two and on the Powell uh, uh, list in, in the Portland stores. That's pretty cool. Uh, what else has been happening with, with your book, The Denim Diet? I've also made uh, top 25 for Amazon's Hot New Best Sellers. That was about three weeks after it came out. So it's definitely generating some buzz. And just what the two of you were talking about before, using your hometown. And I have been in Portland for a very long time. I'm 
42 years old and uh, my pals book signing, you know, they pals even wrote me a, a, a little note during the day of my uh, book signing. They said, you know, Cammy, don't expect much. Ten to fifteen books sold. You know, you're first time author. You're not a celebrity. Well, we sold a hundred books because <laughs> I knew almost everybody there, and you know, people bought multiple books because they they know me and they believe my you know what I'm saying and you know and we're friends or whatever. But I think that I've definitely been pretty good about using Portland as kind of my base to to um, launch from. So your, your best your best advice to authors is to get a whole bunch of friends. Yes, get lots of friends. Be a well liked person. Friends. Yes. <laughs> but friends do help people. You know, they help you because they spread the word. And book sales are all about spreading the word. It's just book reader by book reader. So. And what did you I, think about the Skinny Bitch book? I did read it. Um, I read it right at, um, as soon as I finished editing with my uh, editor at New World Library. I didn't want it to affect um, my own writing and what I thought. And uh, just because I know that for you know two decades what I've done has worked, and so I just didn't want to have something else in my head. But after we finished that, I did read it. That's just too strict of a diet for me. Um, I think it's a funny book, and it's kind of crass, and, and I, th- I think their voice is, is fun. Uh, but I'm not going to give up uh, coffee, and I'm not going to give up eggs. I'm not going to give up dairy. I'm not going to give up meat unless I have to, and I'm really harming you know, the universe, and it's time to give it up. Um, and I am very mindful about what, what, uh, what meat I choose. But I think that you can, um, you can have all those things if they're not causing you health complications. And I know for me, they're such an integral part of my diet. I love eggs, and I really need my morning coffee. So for me, that wouldn't work. For me, I could maybe do it for a week, but I wouldn't say I'd be the nicest person in the world that week. <laughs> I sure would love to read this book, Cammy. Boy, I, I feel like you and I are long lost cousins. It was so funny. I know. We look alike too. I think maybe we do. And everything you especially, you especially look alike because uh, uh, on Sally's new book, uh, she's also in cartoon on her front cover. And I don't know if this is actually you on the denim diet cover, no. but it could be potentially. It's it's not me. Uh, uh, it has dark hair, so I actually made, I wanted to make sure it didn't look like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, to me, it's just like she's every girl, you know. Nice. Did you yeah. say you were born in 1967? 66. Okay, well, I was 67, so I think we, we, we could be cousins. We could be cousins. Where have you been? <laughs> You've missed all the family gatherings. Well, and it's, it's it's such a pleasure to chat with both of you on the line. Uh, two two long lost cousins uh, meeting for the first time on Blurb. Um, tell us <laughs> tell us for a second uh, uh, thedenimdiet.com. Uh, give us give us your uh, advertisement here. Uh, where can we find your book? Are you doing some appearances? What else have you got going on? Uh, well, I do have a blog, and that's blog.cammygray.com, and I blog three or four times a week on all sorts of uh, hot new topics coming out. It could be from genes to diet stuff, food stuff, childhood obesity, and all with just kind of that first person kind of, you know, lighten up kind of humor. And all the book information and appearances and everything and reviews can be found on my website, thedenimdiet.com. And then it's just available at all online booksellers, indie bookstores, local bookstores, Barnes & Noble, Borders, you name it. It's out there. That is awesome. I'm so excited about reading your book. I might have to write you an email, see if you see if we could get a, a copy over here. and I think I we can, can do that. <laughs> be inspired to uh, get back into my jeans again. I think we can definitely. I oh, think I can take care of that. I'm <laughs> so excited that you wrote this book, and it sounds fun and exciting, and great job, and congratulations so far on the success of it. It just came out. It's just like already getting so many rave reviews. Really, really fun read from what I've read so far, and it's just really, really cool. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for letting me be on the show tonight. Nice chatting with you, Cammy. Uh, good luck with everything. All right. You guys have a great night. You too. And it's been great uh, hanging out on Blurb with Sally Shields. Yeah, it's been great talking to you as well, Dr. Kent. Thanks so much for the, uh, the great uh, technical side of things. And um, looking forward to another good week. And I'd like to, just for a second, too, um, uh, Sally's got a whole bunch of great stuff um, that uh, 
uh, people can check out, uh, there's a Ning site people can go to if, if they're listening to this archived. Uh, we're actually off the air, but uh, if you're listening to the archived recording, we appreciate that you've hung in there through the whole recording and listened to Cammy Gray and all the rest of them. And uh, I'd love to have Sally tell you where to find uh, her Amazon secrets uh, guide and all of the rest. Okay, well, actually, Dr. Kent and I are, are co-leading the site, and there's a lot of really great information up there for anybody that wants to improve their stats on Amazon. And if you just go to makeyourbookabestseller.ning.com, makeyourbookabestseller.ning.com, you'll get all sorts of information about how you can improve your rankings on Amazon, lots of little secret twists and turns, and just come on over and hang out with us there, and we'll try to help you out as much as we can. That's what we're here for. We really love helping people with their books, and um, we're glad. And you've, got great, you've got great news about one of your clients this week, too. Yes, one of my clients reached number one in her category yesterday on launch day, and she also reached number 233 overall. That's out of like 8 million, well, I think there's 8 million items on Amazon, but about 2 million books. But out of 2 million books, she made it to number 233, and she was number four in personal transformation, which was behind two Eckhart Tolle bestsellers and The Secret, Rhonda Burns' The Secret. She was number four behind those three books. So, wow, was I like a proud coach yesterday. And, and it can be, it can really happen to anybody, and, that, and that's also why we're doing this show, Blurb, uh, to chat with authors. And uh, you can come check us out at uh, blurbradio.com. Indeed, and uh, hope to talk to, you, uh, talk to you more later. And um, thanks so much for listening in, everyone. And we'll see you next week, Sally. Okay, thanks, Dr. Kent. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.